You are listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I'm really looking forward to sharing with you my conversation with the songwriter and producer, Ashiba. People like get an education just in case to have something to fall back on, you know, all these safety nets there. And I was like, I, I was like, no, I, I can't not have a say. I, I don't want a safety net if this doesn't work. This is the only option that I have that I'd rather fall all the way down than, you know, just so I kind of gave everything up because I was like, this is what I want. And if, it's the, if it was what I want, it has to work. Ashiba's sonic creations have amassed millions of streams and her recent release on Defected's D4 dance label, My Eyes Only, shows off her versatility as a musician. She's also had just an incredible life so far, with roots in Cairo, where she was the youngest ever player on the Egyptian national basketball team, then relocating to Brazil, and now settling into studio life back home in Denmark. As you're about to hear, We spoke about applying the discipline of sport to making music, about the period of her life spent studying to become a zookeeper, and what it's actually like to sit in a songwriting session on Zoom. I hope that you have a wonderful listen to Ashiba on RA's Exchange. I am extending a warm, warm welcome to Sheba, who joins me on the internet right now. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Thanks for having me. Ah, excited to speak with you, actually, and sounding crystal clear in my headphones, which is what I love. <laughs> yeah, good to hear. Would you tell everyone where you are today? And also, I'd love to see if you could talk us through your little home setup that I can see in the background. Yes. So uh, currently, I'm in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark, uh, which is, uh, and I'm sitting actually in my little uh, cute studio. Uh, it's actually not my home studio. It's, ah. It's my little studio. I've, I've um, kind of downgraded my studio. I had a bigger one and I wanted to do something more cozy and more homey. So I actually take it as a compliment that you thought I was at home. So. <laughs> <laughs> it does look very cozy. So you've got the decks in the background. What else? Talk us through your setup in the studio. Well, I have lots of plants. I love my green plants. You can't see them from your angle, but they're all around. Uh, I have my little, um, yeah, my my DJ booth with my vinyl setup and my uh, CDJs in the back because I just stop producing and then I turn on my decks and then I just play some music for myself. Um, Nice. On my left, I have my uh, synthesizers and I have a smaller collection now than I used to have. And I have... um, uh, Korg M1, I have a Nord Lead, I have an OP1, just absolutely necessities, Innovation Peak. In front of me, I have my little, very small desk. I used to have a big desk, but I found out it's just, you waste so much space having mm. such a big desk. So I made it a little bit smaller, um, got my Atom monitors, 
my computer, my MIDI setup, and then again, lots of plants and a really cozy <laughs> sofa with some really cozy pillows. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can see that. So it seems like you're quite comfortable there, um, which is really nice to see. And basically throughout this podcast, I think it would just be amazing if we had a bit of an overview of your journey so far in music, but also your just general life. From what I've read, sounds super interesting. So I hope that we can dive into as much of that as possible. Um, But to kick us off, I was wondering if you would be up for taking us back to your earliest memory connected to sound or music? Um, I think the one that I remember clearly is probably uh, around the age of six, seven, I think I was around then, where I wrote my first song. Okay. Uh, I think, you know, I think it was seven. I think it was seven. Huh. And, you know, it was a crush, you know, how many, cr- we had a lot of crushes at that age, right? So, um, so I wrote a song uh, and that was pretty much my, my like earliest memory of how I kind of interacted with music. Do you remember the words? A little bit, but it's too embarrassing to say. Oh, they cringe. <laughs> it's one of those when you look back, you're like, uh, okay, that's a redo. Um, but <laughs> but uh, I, I can remember that I, like as soon as I could, I just started singing, so. Nice, nice. And um, what was like playing in your household when you were starting to become aware of music? Well, my, my dad's Egyptian and my mom is, is Danish, so I have a, a lot of um, Arabic music influence. I had, uh, since I was, my dad loved the old classic uh, Arabic music, which I've, I, I love to still today. I listen to it still, which was, um, her name was Oma Kulsum. She's a very famous singer. She was um, absolutely legendary. And, and so I, I grew up on her voice. Um, with all the classic instrument, oriental instruments and so on. But I also, on my mom's side, I grew up on a little bit more of the kind of the disco and the funk. So it's kind of a weird combination of those two, which uh, which uh, which I'm really happy that I did now because I, it definitely is part of my music. Nice. Yeah, that's an amazing combination. Um, so from writing your first song, Age Seven, yeah. how did things unfold from there? Like, what was your early introduction to becoming a musician and what was your your first few steps into music i was very um well in school i i um i tried to join as many musical situations i could if it was plays and so on theater i started djing in 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 middle school and and how in the dances there and so on but i kind of it first really took off when i moved to denmark later um when i a little bit older because um it was really hard for me to pursue like house music and what i wanted to do and and, and sing in english in egypt because not that it wasn't possible it's just that the the it was just such a small um um industry there so so i moved to denmark and then that was kind of when it took off i started working as a vocalist and writing songs with a lot of different producers and um started getting into djing here in the club scene the rave uh, the rave scene here and kind of went kind of the ball this kind of rolled from there Mm, i'd love to hear a bit about some of those raves that you were going to what was the vibe what was the genre actually um it was trance 
we were back in the trance phase uh, and there was a lot of it was also house uh, kind of house uh, raves and so on but the ones that I remember that I really really enjoyed was the the trance raves I was I used, used to love that <laughs> um, and were you collecting trance music as well as being a trance raver actually no it was more of the cult the club the, the rave um, the rave culture that I like the community of it. it was more that that I really enjoyed that I've always been very different growing up um, so I think that I felt that I had a space there where I could be myself and I think that's what's a, a difference between the rave culture and the club culture is that you just it's more of a community it's not only the music you come to express yourself you come to um, you know just let go and be free so nice how did you learn to dj are, are these raves mostly outdoors yes they were they were outdoors but i think I, I learned how to dj because um i remember i was um standing at uh this was back in in egypt they also they also had raves there too which was really cool out in the desert and stuff like that so um i remember standing at at at, at this 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 party and i was like um if i was the DJ, I would have done that. I would have done that. I would maybe would have done that. And so I decided, I was like, I was like, okay, I might as, I'm going to, you know, what, what, why not? And I started teaching kind of myself how to play um, and just building it from there and and getting better and get, I'm, I'm a really big perfectionist. I'm a super, super control freak. So I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this right. So, uh, so it kind of came from just standing there and enjoying it and being like, that. I want to be a part of this. I love that you were like thinking conceptually about about approaching DJing before you ever even got your hands on decks. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I would love to hear about how the other things that you were interested in around that age and your other passions and creative pursuits were like feeding into your music. For example, I know that you've done like sports and stuff like that. How did your other passions feed into this journey? Well, it's it's kind of funny because I I had a lot of different passions growing up. I I, I love animals, and I uh, really I so I wanted either to be a, a a musician or a vet. That was kind of it. And my father wanted me to be a basketball player. So it was three very 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 different things. Um, as soon as I could walk, he put a ball in my hand. So I started playing basketball, and um, I almost uh, I, I kept playing basketball. I almost play, played professionally at some point, and I was studying to be a vet and so on. But it's funny because they all kind of came, it all came back to music. Every time I tried something um, to test, because you know, when you're growing up, you know, you're you're kind of trying to figure out who you are, what you want to do, what you want to be. And there's a lot of, you have a lot of different interests, but it always came back to music. It was always the one that kind of sucked me back in. Um, so I, um, it, I ended up kind of giving everything else up at some point and just kind of focusing completely on music because I thought I, I, I had that, that feeling that um, I, cause you know, people like get an education just in case to have something to fall back on, you know, all these safety nets that, and I was like, I, I was like, no, I, I can't not have a say, I, I don't want a safety net. If this doesn't work, this is the only option that I have that I'd rather fall all the way down than, you know, just, so I kind of gave everything up because I was like, this is what I want. And if it's, if it was what I want, it has to work. So interesting that these three things the music sort of risen above even though with basketball basketball's relationship to music is almost intrinsic it is it's true it is there's so much of of 
of, of for example, the hip hop culture and everything that goes to basketball. And I, and that was like the musical influences was there. I think it was more like my, my journey of, of kind of figuring out because I like to do something 120% and I didn't feel like I could give myself to everything. So um, of course there were a lot of influences, but it was more, I always felt like the time I was using on that, I could be using on this. So it was kind of like a, just it's funny I loved it but I was also like no I need to kind of let go of these things and go all in here because that's what's going to make me happy and focused you know yeah I was just wondering about you know like the discipline of sport and training especially when you're playing to be a professional athlete um do you reckon you've ended up applying any of that to the way that you approach music yeah tell me about that Absolutely. I'm, um, as I said, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm a real perfectionist. I'm very disciplined and I'm also an extreme control freak, which can be a good thing sometimes. And sometimes it can be really, you know, uh, frustrating. So a lot of those things that I learned from playing on the national team or playing sports and playing basketball, uh, I definitely, definitely have with me now. I still do the same things. I still have the same routines and so on. So, um, it has taught me to be more um, yeah, disciplined, but also working really hard. Sports, like if you want to get to a certain level, you have to practice every day. You have to commit 100%, your diet, the, you know, everything. You have to sleep well. And so I think those things are something that you can apply to anything that you do. It'll only make you better at what you do. So I definitely took that with me. Absolutely. And then with animals, have you have you been able to maintain that relationship to working with animals, even though you've pursued music? Yeah, I have a little dog called Pablo, a little um, uh, what's it called? Brazilian street dog that I adopted. He was like six weeks. I couldn't. And every time I walk in the streets and I see a dog, I have to stop. So it takes me like forever to get to the fucking studio. Oh, I don't know. Sorry. It takes me forever to get to the studio because I always have to stop like every time I, I any chance I get just to, to like be around anything on four legs, I do. So, um, and he's my prince. He's my baby. I take him with me to the studio. My Our routine is we go to the dog park. We say hi to all his friends. I sit there. I work a little bit on my productions on my laptop while he's playing. And then we come to the studio. And then, so I get my daily dosage of, of cuteness. <laughs> and how close were you to pursuing a, a career working with animals? I was pretty close. I had like, uh, it was, um, I, I studied to be a, a zookeeper because I wanted to work with endangered species and, and in a zoo and so on. And um, I was, I had one year left and I decided to stop because I felt that if I continued, it would affect um, my, uh, my, what's it called? My process with music or, or just felt like I had to choose at that point I had to choose, but I almost became a zookeeper. But the problem is it's a lot of shoveling shit. <laughs> so I found out that you have to like really work for a long time. You get to cuddle an elephant once in a while, you get to cuddle a giraffe once in a while. And it was super awesome, but it was a lot of shoveling shit. So I decided I'd take my chances with music. <laughs> yeah you had to figure that out though you had to go through that stage of the process and elephant shit you, you like you use half a day you, you can use half a day shoveling elephant shit because they're so big so I was like no I think I'm going to stick to uh to this <laughs> all right well I think we've 
I feel like we've built a picture of you know the potential avenues that you considered going down uh, but let's settle into actually talking about music now um so one thing that is like really striking in your music is working with vocalists and using vocals in general I was just wondering if you could share some of your influences specifically when it comes to vocals uh my absolute biggest inspiration and uh someone I've been listening to since I was very young is Sade uh she's my biggest inspiration and her smoothness and her elegance and her just it's just it's just I've 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 loved it and she can she can just take anyone's breath away. I, what I love about Shade is she can she touches everyone some some kind of kind of way. So she was a very 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 big influence when it comes to to vocals especially. Um, I also I'm a big fan of of course some of the classics Aretha amazing uh, all these um, but but I think that the main influence was Shade that was always my number one by far. Have you ever played around with making an edit of a Shade track? I have actually, I have. And um, I made one that was more of a down tempo one that's on my SoundCloud like a while back, but I'm actually working right now on a house edit of Paradise with my vocal because that's like one of my favorite songs. And that's just, you just get in such a good mood when you hear that song. So uh, so I'm actually working on it as we speak right now. No way. Yeah. One other thing that I was thinking about is the way that you work with others. And I was just wondering, what you look for in a collaborator i love i love working with others there's um one thing that's really important for me in a collaborator is the energy that they walk into either if it's even if it's a zoom session you can still there the energy that energy is this there always i'm i'm a big big fan on energy <laughs> so um for me um the right kind of energy that that positivity when you walk into a session the right kind of attitude when you walk into a session because that no matter how talented the person i've sit, i've sat with some insanely talented people in the studio and because they just came in with the wrong attitude it just the session ended up not being very well um and some but i love uh, another thing that's really important is people that work hard i work really really hard I, I i really if somebody gives me a task or if i do something i'm like i'm gonna do it like 120 percent. i'm gonna put all my energy in it so i look in the same kind of level of professionalism in a in a collaborator for sure um those are the two most important things because we're we all have our different talents we all have our different expertise and a lot of things you can learn but you can't learn like that when it comes to energy, walking into a session, the positivity, the mindset, how you approach, and um, that's just something that you 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 just have, I guess. Mm. What's a Zoom collaboration session like? It's uh, it's in the beginning of well, when Corona kind of it was kind of the only way that we could collaborate. Uh, but I had actually been doing it for quite some time because uh, well not through zoom but on online actually through whatsapp for example or, or like a facetime call because i collaborate with a lot of brazilians so um before moving there working online was one of the the, the, the best ways but i would say collaborating on zoom it's it's um it depends on what you make it like I, I feel like we're sitting in the same living room. We're, you know, having a chat and everything. I think it, it completely depends on what you what you what you make it. Of course, there's a difference when a person is sitting in the room. There's a different feel. But I actually really enjoy Zoom sessions because, you know, you you do your thing. You can 
you get your groove on and then you you go back to your kind of little bubble you work and then you can send something back so it actually works quite well and it, it gives you so many opportunities to work with so many different people being in a songwriting session on zoom that's kind of funny because if you're like three or four songwriters it's kind of hard to get everyone's input in so uh but you kind of learn you get into it once you've tried it once or twice are you able to sort of start getting back to in real life collaboration at the moment or is it still mostly online stuff actually yes um i've started since we moved back to denmark um from brazil I'm I've started collaborating with a lot of really talented songwriters that live in Denmark because we have a lot of talent in both in Sweden and in, in Denmark. We have a lot of really, really talented songwriters. Uh, and so we're starting kind of a little gang. Uh, so I've actually um, managed to sit in sessions with some really talented songwriters uh, and a couple of producers also that I got to know after I got back because COVID made you kind of rethink, okay, what's going on locally who can you know like what's it made you kind of rethink sometimes what kind of how you work so um i've started actually uh, working with a lot of really really great people here so i'm excited about the projects we're doing amazing yeah i think i have an understanding that there's like a lot of like amazing and also really prolific and high profile pop songwriting talent in the area is that something that you're looking to take steps into for behind the scenes stuff yeah well the thing is actually i believe that a good melody is a good melody and then you can twist it and turn it in the production all you want but a good melody is a good melody so i think that um and there's so many different ways of writing pop music um so i think that combining that my knowledge of house uh, and writing house music and some of the songwriters knowledge of writing pop music that combination is uh, super super awesome we're having so much fun with it and we're coming up with some really really interesting stuff so I'm just like let's do this so and is this material that you're working on for your own project or is it for their project well it's for my project but it's also for other producers projects like because I have the experience in, in I had the experience with vocal house and been working with vocal for so many, so many years. And then I started producing and everything. I have um, a, a bit of, of expertise when it comes to the whole writing, uh, to the style that we do. So I have a lot of producers that come to me and they're like, Sarah, hey, I'm looking for a vocal on this. Do you have any ideas? And then I'm like, ah, I got the right person for you. And then we have, we sit down and we write the songs. So it's it's not only for me, it's for a lot of different producers in the industry. Uh, I just think it's awesome that they're grabbing a hold of me and asking for, so that's why we kind of making this gang where we can, you know, they can be like, ah, I'm the girl for you. I got the song. So, you know what I mean? That kind of thing. Nice. Um, is there like a, a moment in the studio or a, a collaborative moment that comes to mind pre-pandemic or since that there was just like a really special energy in terms of like you've really felt like we're doing it, we're making something right now, it's happening? Yes. Um, I write uh, pretty much everything with my wife. She's part of, of the process. She's uh, extremely talented and she didn't work with music before we started working with music she had a different career completely but when we when we got together there's kind of this energy that we started creating music together so um one of the first songs that we wrote was my uh a song called make it better and we wrote that together and 
I remember hearing like one of the last shows before the pandemic hit. I, I was at a, a show in Brazil. There was maybe like around 7,000 people, something seven, 8,000 people. And in the break, I could hear them all chanting that song. Like they were singing it. And I, I tell you, I can still, I'm like, I'm getting goosebumps on my back right now. <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget that. And the idea that we wrote that together and hearing that and she was there and I turned around and looked at her and she like kind of like we were just completely like that is a moment that I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. That's incredible especially to sort of be able to unlock that creative energy within each other. Amazing that's really cool. Yeah I'm, I'm, I'm pretty uh, uh, I'm pretty I'm really lucky and really blessed that I got to find a person that I could share that with and it, just have that journey together it just it just makes it that much more special so 100 percent um all right then well coming up to sort of now-ish current times um i'd love to just hear what your daily routine is like we've heard a bit about the dog park but what what is a normal day like for you at the moment um, it's being woken by my little dog licking my face pretty much every morning. I told him not to, but he just doesn't listen. So it starts with that. And then we have some, uh, like I always, I make my wife coffee every morning. That's just something that I do. I'm, I wake up before her and I make her coffee and then we go for a walk. Like I said, we, 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 we go to the dog park. He gets his groove on. Um, and then I come up to the studio. I start working on a track. For example, if I'm doing something new, no, actually, I start. I come into the studio. The first thing I do is I put a vinyl on and I just dance around a little bit. It's kind of my thing. So I put on uh, a vinyl and I just got this insane remix from Sade, funny enough, in the door. So that was what I did. Put that on. I dance a little bit, air out, water my plants. I sit down. I maybe start a new project. My wife comes in the afternoon and we start working on the vocals together or the production together. She also plays the piano and... Uh, and my little dog is underneath the table and then we walk to home together and we take some takeout or we cook some food at home. So that's pretty much a, like a average day. And, and I love, I love that. I love, I love our days. It does sound pretty dreamy, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you have days which are sort of like uh, producer admin days in a sense, like, do you make a load of sample packs in one go? Like, do you make a load of loops in one go? Do you have days like that? Yes, I definitely do. I have, um, I try to be, I found out that being organized as musicians, we're not the most organized bunch, I would say. I don't know if people are going to get mad, but we were just because we're creative people. So there's like a million things in our head. So I try to be um, organized in the sense I try to organize my days. Like today I'm doing this today. I'm doing that. And so I have days where I'm trying to, I'm actually trying to put together a masterclass because I get a lot, like, like I was telling you, I get a lot of, of asking about vocals and so on and so forth. So I'm trying to do like a masterclass and a sample pack, um, based on that. Um, so I have these days where I'm just exactly, I also have, I have a, a, a day where I'm just, I call it nerd day where I just watch YouTube videos about synthesizers like I'll borrow a synth from a friend and then I'll be like nerding it for the whole day and then I'll just play around with it and I'll be like okay I can't use that or I love it uh, <laughs> so um I have yeah I call them nerd days where I do that kind of research um I do a lot of research about like my live setup or this synth or you know kind of um so yeah definitely I just call it nerd day <laughs> <laughs> happy nerd day yeah exactly <laughs> 
Um, I guess maybe some musicians find that like the lifestyle and also creating and production can sometimes be a bit all-consuming. Um, it sounds like you've got a pretty good balance going on. Do you have any tips for maintaining balance in your life as a musician? Yeah, definitely. I, I, I try to exactly. I think that you can end up wasting a lot of time just um, playing with buttons or playing with, with, with samples or whatever it is. So I try to create kind of a routine on, 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 uh, on when I produce, when I sit and work on a new track, I have a certain routine that I know works for me. I always tell people less is more. Don't overdo it. Find, for example, uh, something, for example, when it comes to beats, find a way that you think is good to work when it comes to um, uh, synths or pads or or the music itself, find a way that is works for you. Don't don't um, don't buy like 20 synthesizers. And I have a friend of mine, for example, he the other day, he told me, he's like, I bought this and I bought that. And I'm like, I'm like, why did you buy all that? You're, you're going to you're overwhelming yourself. You need to keep it simple or else you're never going to press record because you end up just, you know, so the best advice I can give is don't um, create your own routine. Don't, there's a lot of people, like there's a lot of different ways of doing it. And there's a lot of people that think they know better. Like it should be like this, or we need to go this, or you need to do like that. That's the right way. There's no right way. It's your way. Um, And figure out what works for you. Because when push comes to shove, that's the way that you're most productive and that you actually finish your project it's because it's you have a process that works for you does that make sense totally i think that's really solid advice um because there is so much information on like approaches and ways of doing things even just through doing this podcast i speak to a lot of artists and you know there is a lot of different ways that people do things but i think the main thing, the main takeaway is to just try things and figure out what works for you. So, yeah. And one more thing I would say is like, like I said, I have a day that's like a cold nerd day where I do a lot of research just because the the internet today, you can find so much information and, and Google is your best friend. I was going to say, you can just go online and research and 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 ask people there's so many forums that are super nice where you can be like hey i've tried this does anybody have advice um so i i do a lot of research and i test a lot of things and 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 then i find okay if i try 10 things i'm like okay this is my way and it works and i can trust it every time so so but of course keep developing not sit of course sit and be stuck like in 20 years or 15 years and sit and do the same thing just keep challenging yourself i think definitely challenging yourself is the right word so mm. um oh i have so many things i want to ask um especially maybe we'll take a detour and like just build off what you just said um how do you imagine you're going to challenge yourself as the years unfold like you feel comfortable creating music writing what are the other things within the industry or this path that you are curious to try and how are you going to continue to challenge yourself um it's funny you should ask because i just said yes to a a mentorship program in 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 denmark with the we have we have a great system here so as a musician as an artist there's a lot of the government helps you and you can get a lot of um, sponsorships and so on so um with the danish music 
I don't remember, I don't know how, what they're called in English, but they, we're doing like a mentorship where I get two mentees a month that come in and ask for advice. And we have like, and I think my focus would be the next five to 10 years, I want to be able to give back as much as I take. Uh, I want to work with, with, with people that um, want to learn. And I think that's a good challenge for me because I, I love to learn myself and I love to work, but I also love to give back. And I think when I, when I started in this, uh, when I started, I didn't have anyone to reach out to. So, and I think it's super important to be able to give back as much as taking. So, so I think that will be my focus the next couple of years is how I can use everything that I've learned. This pandemic has, has made us rethink everything. So I'm, I'm doing that. And I'm also using a lot of energy of understanding all the, um, rights and and all those things because this a lot of musicians when i speak to them they're like ah, i'm not quite sure about you know this and that and that and that so i'm doing like a lot of research on okay what are my rights when i come into this um contract uh negotiation what should i what used to be like you know but what is is important now you know what i mean so so because things have changed with streaming and everything so there's a lot of things so that will be kind of kind of my focus probably yeah mm. yeah those are two super important targets to work towards definitely um so going back we heard a bit about how you keep organized in your production life and sort of creating at home um as events and, and djing and live stuff and touring maybe even is coming back um before the pandemic, when you were playing a lot of shows, how did you organize yourself so that you had a sustainable lifestyle? Um, I, I love tour life uh, in general. It's hard as hell, but I love it. And so um, I think that I try to organize myself and find comfort in things that that give me, like that calm me down and give me energy. Um, just a good example is I watch well, for example, when I'm on tour every single day, I watch friends because then I feel that I'm surrounded by my friends when I'm by myself. It's a weird thing, but it's, it's really nice to have some things that give you comfort. And, um, I tend to, like I said, I tend to watch friends every day because I don't know, there's something about them that makes you feel like they're your friends. You know, you feel like you're around people, around people, you know, and, um, I, uh, I speak to my wife every single day. She's like, I've said many times, she's kind of the yin to my yang. She, she balances me out. So she's, um, and she's, she's just like, she's always been my number one fan and I'm her fan. So I think that it's really nice to do things that give you familiarity that gives you, makes you relax. And so, um, another thing is I try to, uh, I, since I'm, I'm, I'm quite tall and I've, since I've played basketball, I've had problems with my back, so I try to go to the gym in in the hotels, do some exercises, get a little endorphins going and stuff like that, you know. Um, so I think that it's it's important to to um, to do things that just that give you comfort and that gives you familiarity and when you're on the road because every day is so different. So so I try to do that. And how's it been? Have you played yet in the the return to events? I actually played. Um, uh, three weeks ago, I played the first show back. I played at the, uh, we had here in Copenhagen, we had the World Pride. And um, 
there was a stage called the Fluid Stage, which was a really, really, it was called Fluid Festival, which was super, super, it was such a cool festival. And I got to close the festival. So that was really, really, that was my first gig back. And it was just, there was so much love in the city. You know, everybody's out and we're celebrating, you know, that you should love whoever you want. And you should, you know, this is, it was just such a nice way to come back. So I, um, I played, I closed the stage there and I actually ended it with like love is in the air because I kind of felt like that was the right moment to drop that, <laughs> which is cheesy, but it just works and it's lovely. It's amazing. So um, that was my first gig back. So it was a great way to come back. Amazing. The ideal way to return to events. Um, is there anything that you've picked up during this time, you know, at home, isolating, just generally not doing the same routine as before that you think you'll apply to life as things start to open up and happen again? Definitely. I think uh, being much more organized in how I use my days uh, because we've had time, you know, then you can sometimes, I think because we've been isolated and there's been a lot of, um, you kind of tend to kind of like potato, couch potato it maybe, or kind of get a little lazy, you know? So, uh, trying to organize myself, trying to do things that, that keep me, um, energized and, 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 um, also I would say I've started exercising a lot more than I used to before. And that's something that gives you so much energy. So I'm, I'm trying to do that. Also, I've tried to, since we've been um, isolated and in lockdown, I used a lot of time to really soul search what I want to do, what, what my next steps are, not only as an artist, but as a person. So I've worked a lot on myself, meditating and, and kind of just, you know, getting into my groove so i'm definitely going to keep doing that because that really i can feel that really really changed um my energy and the way that i deal with my regular days so mm, i can see how that would um well th as things are you know getting exciting again and more shows and more opportunities are coming around perhaps you could tell us about your most special dj moment pre-pandemic I think you mentioned a Brazil show when we were chatting earlier, yes. but is there anything else that's like seminal? I think that um, this was also in Brazil. Uh, I was um, standing and I was DJing and this uh, guy comes up to me and he puts his palm up like that, like with his palm up. And he has my logo tattooed in his palm because he wants that to be one of the first things that he sees every day. No, no I swear I kid you not that was like for me that was like the biggest love declaration that you can do to someone and he told me that he went through a really tough time and that uh, my song make it better kind of got him out of that I know that's not really a DJ moment but it is kind of a DJ moment because it happened at a show and I was just I love connecting with people. That's one of the reasons that I love music. It's such a beautiful way to connect with people. And so those moments um, that I get to connect with people like that and at, at shows and just in general, uh, it's just that those are just they, they're, they're stuck in my brain and I'll never forget them. So that was one of those moments. I've, I'll never forget that either. Yeah, I think it's not such a difficult thing to have like, you know, wild crowd celebrating the dj but then having that like really special unique connection with an individual is 
so special. It is. And it means the world because you get to like, like exactly like you said, you have the D, the crowd and the dance floor and the screaming and everything. But my favorite moments are when I like, if I look in someone's eyes or if they come and talk to me or if we get that kind of energy back and forth, that love connection. And I've had this crazy love affair with Brazil since I went there. That place is absolutely amazing. It's one of my favorite places on earth. People are so amazing there. So I just, it's just, those are those my favorite moments. For sure. Um, is there a performance by another artist that you saw that shifted your perspective in any way? Um, I would say this one's actually a quite funny one because I wasn't expecting it. I love to be surprised. Um, I was in a time warp in Sao Paulo um, before the pandemic. And um I saw Emily Lynn's play and I'm not like her music is, it's not usually something that I would listen to necessarily. Cause it's, it's a little too, it's a, it's a little too hard for me. Uh, but I fell in love with techno that like, well, I, I love tech, but like I fell in love with, with her and everything she does. She has this unbelievable energy when she's behind the booth. It's just it. And there was like, I think there was like 10,000 people. It was absolutely mad. And you could feel it. Everybody was just totally connecting with her. So um, she actually, I, I was there the whole time. I saw her entire set and I was just deeply mesmerized. She's so, so cool. And I just love that she's a badass girl. Like she's so cool. So, so that was actually one of those performances where I was just like, I was surprised. I got um, positively surprised and I love those those are the ones that you remember I guess yeah absolutely I was just wondering if you could perhaps share some thoughts about the music industry and how things are sort of progressing if you feel like things are moving forward especially what's it like over in Denmark um, in terms of like inclusivity and then also like what you were mentioning earlier about artist rights um how are you feeling about all of that? And then my second question is that if you've seen any movements or perhaps there are any local organizations that are doing interesting things um, or that you support, I'd love to hear about them. I think that it's definitely moving in the right direction, um, especially I, I can feel um, that the way, I, the way that I'm being perceived as a producer and as a, uh, a singer and a songwriter is getting um, more, it's getting more positive. Like I've before, like, and you know, you have that kind of stereotype is when you come into a session, you're a woman that is a producer. They ask you the first thing, did you produce this? Who made this? Where I'm like, I made it. And, but it takes a minute for a hundred percent to be, are you sure you made this? You know what I mean? So um, I feel that things are changing. I feel that there's so many um, super talented, but also hardworking artists that are showing up that are, that are um, kind of um, representing, especially now I'm talking as, as a female producer, um, but there's so much talent out there that is it's, and it's, there's, I think that because, because producing and because um, DJing and everything has become so much more flexible, you see so many young uh, producers and DJs coming up and they're, they're just, they're, they're really challenging a lot of the 
old ways and things. And I think that they're actually getting a lot of positive, um, positive response. So it's, it's, I think it's definitely headed in the right directions. I also think that, um, as a songwriter, I think that's more where, because when you produce with, when it comes to the rights and everything, usually as a producer, you automatically have a lot of, of rights as a songwriter. That's where it becomes a little bit challenging sometimes. Um, because, now with streaming and everything, all the your, your publishing rights and everything, the composing side of it is you don't make as much money as you used to because you don't sell CDs and all these things. So I think that I'm trying to, um, uh, I, can, I can, and I can see other songwriters are trying to fight for the right to be um, equally kind of right wise and so on in contracts and everything being getting the, the the rights that you deserve so i think that that's going definitely in the right direction and i think that there's a lot of a lot of um i, I can speak for denmark um there's a lot of movements that are really trying to educate like for example this mentorship that i'm doing with dpa where they're trying um to to do a place where people can come get advice but also two weeks ago i was in a big conference where they they go out and they um they tell you about your rights they tell you how you can uh get these sponsorships what money you can like they they really really are trying to focus on getting young musicians and also not even young but just musicians in general to 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 make music and to keep searching for these sponsorships and so on and and then you had us as the expert panel that was there to give advice to producers and so on and so forth so there's so many movements that are happening both um, on the DJ scene, but also on the production scene and on the songwriting scene that are that are um, that are really challenging status quo. Is there anything that you want to see from the music industry or the specific part of the industry that you are sort of your ecosystem? Is there is there a change that you want to be made, or is there anything that's like? doesn't sit right with you that you want a shift to happen in? I think one of the things that I experience that I think would be nice to, and I think I've, I've spoken to a lot of other female producers that I've experienced is getting the amount of respect that you deserve just walking into the room. Um, I think that's, I would like to see that. Um, there are, I, I agree there, there are like, sometimes it's hard because there are there are not as many male female producers that there are male producers being nerdy is a guy thing like when it comes to these you know sometimes but there are super there are a lot of talented ladies out there and i've met so many of them and and when i walk into a room there's an automatic skepticism um unfortunately and i think that would be nice for that to change instead of like how do you say instead of guilty until proven innocent you know that kind of the other way around or or whatever it is so i think that that's something that but it is changing that said it is changing but that's also because the quality of music that's coming out of some of these ladies on in the scene uh, are just is such high level and it's so awesome i just love seeing it so nice we're gonna have to send you into the room holding a grammy or something just be like this is mine. <laughs> oh, that would be nice though. I would definitely, if I had one of those, I would wear it on around my neck and like in a, in a really big chain and just be like, just lead with that wherever I go. Even when you go to the coffee shop, you know, like, yeah, that's mine. <laughs> kind of, you know, <laughs> 
all right, well, we're just coming to the end. Um, and I was just thinking about looking ahead. You've already told us about focusing on cluing up on the legal side and also your mentoring. Is there any other aspirations that you're working towards or goals for your next chapter that you'd be up for sharing today? Um, yeah, actually, it's funny because every year I make this list of achievements that I want to achieve. And I, I try to make them realistic because, you know, uh, every musicians, we dream big. We love to, you know, which uh, but I try to make them in a, in a realistic way where I'm like, OK, this is something. Um, so I think that I've made a list this year and I'd like for those achievements to hopefully because COVID kind of made me have to redo the list <laughs> so i've taken a lot of those with me but i hope that 2022 or are we we're in 21 but 20 let's just let's go with 2022 because 21 is almost done and it's still not completely 100 um that i get to achieve some of those goals and i have a lot of focus focus on the music um tracks that i want to finish and labels that i want to uh, sign tracks on and, and so on so i just want to keep keep doing what i'm doing i guess Yes, please do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my last question today is, what are you looking forward to? I am looking forward to travel again. I'm looking forward to meet people, to come out of this little bubble. I love my bubble, I do, but I am an extrovert, so I, I get energy <laughs> by being around people. So I'm really excited to... Uh, start traveling and get to play all my new music that I've been using the two years in the studio to make. So uh, that's really exciting. Anywhere in particular you're desperate to visit? Well, I'm going to Brazil in October because things are finally, but I'm going to the US next year. And that I'm super excited about because I haven't been there to play at all. So that's going to be the first time I go to the US. Wow. Massive. Yeah. All right. Well, Sheba, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute joy to speak to you. So thank you so much. It's been so nice to speak to you too. And um, thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you for listening to RA's Exchange with Sheba. Our full archive is available for you to take in. If you enjoyed this episode, you might like to listen to Vanessa Maria in conversation with Jaguar, the newest addition to BBC Radio 1's dance roster. You can find that episode on all platforms right now. I will have a new episode for you next week. Until then, take care. <laughs>